If you have a Bible nearby, let's go to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. So last week, apparently Jake brought the house down, dealing with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we were talking last night, and he was saying some people were wanting to know, like, when's part two, when's part three of that coming? And uh, not anytime soon is the answer to that. Uh, we kind of have a, a trajectory for the next couple months, which is rare around here. Um, and so uh, we're going to... There's this week and next week, and then uh, we're going to start something in the first Sunday of June. It's going to take us all the way through the end of the summer, which is going to be really good. And, and so all that's kind of mapped out already. Um, and so I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, uh, you know, we, we do have a podcast. So we put everything up. Um, and so if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go listen, listen to that teaching on, on the Spirit. Uh, we could, um, any of the staff and elders could direct you toward things you could read or listen to for continuing stuff. Uh, a couple years ago, there's a there's a three week uh, Sunday night series we did on it as well. So if that stirred something in you and you want to keep learning, uh, we would love to point you in the direction of some resources uh, for that. Um, and, but but tonight we're going to look at something that it's not uh, it's very much related, although it's not exclusively on the Holy Spirit. When you talk about the, what what is the Holy Spirit doing? What is the you know when God dwells within us and He is empowering us? What are some of the th- what does that kind of look like? Uh, and so this is kind of one of the, this would be like a really practical uh, application as far as like what, you know, what does it mean like that the Spirit of God lives, lives in us, convicts, uh, leads us to the truth, trains us in righteousness, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it may not seem like an obvious connection, but, uh, you know, just trust me that it is. Um, the, uh, you know, the office uh, is ended this week, the TV show The Office. And uh, it came to a close after, I don't know, I don't know how long, uh, several years. And for a lot of people, especially like people, people my age, we, we sort of entered into adulthood with this group of people and kind of have watched them, you know, grow up together a little bit and all that. And, um, and uh, you know, anytime like a TV show, especially when it, with that kind of popularity and that kind of run, when it comes to an end, there really is like the sense of loss almost, you know, like you uh, the finale is a big deal, you know, so the, you know, the office, when that ended, or when Friends went off the air, you know, and um, when that ended, or the Cosby show, remember when he, they danced off the set, you know, and you're like, nobody saw that coming. Apparently, it was, he knew the whole time, and didn't tell anybody, and even the crew was, like, bawling and stuff, and I remember that ended, I remember when Cheers ended, you know, like, I just remember those kind of things growing up, it's like you have these fake friends in the TV or whatever, and they, uh, you feel like you know them, and then they go away, and it's really weird, and there's this transitional moment that, that you just kind of have to deal with, and one of the things about uh, when those shows end that I find to be very interesting is when they do all this extra stuff where they talk to the actors about what it's like for them, and when they write into the dialogue of some of these final episodes of these shows, they write in things that you know you know the, uh, the blend between real life and acting is coming together for some of these characters. And they say some things, and there's an emotion that's there that you know, you know it's personal as well as them playing a role. It's like they're fused together. And, uh, and I'm going to butcher the quote, and I meant to look it up earlier, and I kept getting distracted because of the rat you know, thing or whatever and different stuff. But Andy Bernard had this, this statement, and I'm going to mess it up, and so don't, 
don't get upset if you're whatever. But he, he made this statement. He's one of the characters in the show. And he said something along, along the, these lines. He said, I wish there was a way to know that you were in the good old days, bef- like before they came to an end, you know. And you could just tell by the way he said it that that was like his, he was really saying, like Ed Helms, like that's the way he feels. Like he wished that when the, th- when the, when the show, like, that he really soaked up all those moments because they're going to come to an end. And when he made that statement, there, you know, it immediately went on to Twitter and went on to Facebook and stuff like that. Because people, I think when he said it, everybody was like, yes. Like, I felt that exact same way before. Like I wish that, that in, in those moments you knew how much you were going to treasure those times down the road when they're not there. Um, and and it's, it's that transition of life that I think is it's such, a, such a weird thing about life on earth. Um, is that you go in these seasons uh, and, and life is constantly morphing and transitioning and, and it's really hard to know how to do that well sometimes. Um, and I think we kind of have that same feeling of, like, of looking back and saying, man, I wish I had soaked it up because I really missed that time of life or whatever. Um, and so we're going to talk about how, like, the, the Spirit walking us through times of transition because that is, like, that is a major part about life on earth. This entire entire life of transitioning, um, your entire lifespan—it's like it's one big transition, and within that one big one, there's like just a million little ones that come along. And the thing is, a lot of us don't—we don't do real well with change. We don't do real well with um, having to make adjustments here and there. You know, we just—we want things. We want things to be the way they were, even even though at the time we were complaining about the way things were before that and before that and before that, and it's just this this weird deal. So we're always transitioning. Um, we transition socially, uh, where you have like um, like like think back to like like uh, high school or whatever. You have like a couple of friends, maybe it's one friend, maybe it's a group of friends, and you're super super close, and then you graduate and you just kind of scatter out. And there are people who you talk to ten times a day when you're in high school, and you don't talk to them in years. You know, it's kind of how it, how it happens. You scatter out, and then in college, you kind of maybe regroup, or maybe if you go right to work, you kind of regroup. You know, with some some new folks, or if you go into the military, you know, you bond with those that you're serving with, and then and then there comes a point when all those things start to change as well, and your military service ends, or your you maybe you transition, change jobs, or you go to college for a while, and then that comes to an end, and you end up scattering out again, and and. And then, you know, from there, I mean, some people get married, some people don't get married, some people have kids, some people don't have kids, and, and that puts you, puts you all over the map, and then people are living in different places, and you used to live right down, you know, you used to live in the same apartment, like in the same room almost, and now you're living across town or in different states, and uh, you think Facebook is going to help you keep up with each other, but it's not, and even though, like, phone calls have never been easier or cheaper, uh, it's still just not, just doesn't get the job done, and and this socially, things keep going and going and going, and uh, it's just such a weird, weird deal. We transition physically, you know. At one point, you just had one doctor, and the older you get, you get more doctors. You got like specialists and stuff like that, and because because our bodies are we're getting older and things are changing, and we need, you know, it's just kind of how how it works. You transition spiritually, you know. There are times when you're like you feel like you and Jesus are like walking so closely together, and then there. Or other times when he seems really distant, even though he's not, he seems seems that way. And times when you're you're just growing like crazy, and other times, man, just just seems really dry, you know. And that's 
that's tough. We transitioned as a church. You know, there's, uh, of course, we've moved. This is our third location, you know. So there's those kind of things. But there are people who are a part of us, and then they end up leaving for different reasons. And um, that whole thing is, is always uh, interesting. You know, you're changing that way. And you're, you're transitioning, transitioning mentally. You're transitioning in the things you're interested in. There's, just, there's families transitioning. There's just so much that's going on. And because it's such a major part of life, we, we need to know, we need, really need the Spirit to show us what to do because a lot of people just don't handle it very well. And it causes a lot of strife. And I know I sit down with people all the time and they're struggling and they're like whatever and it has to do a lot of the time because, because their life is moving forward, they're transitioning somehow and they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to how to let God lead them through this weird transition. Let me, let me tell you three, three things I see happen a, a lot with people. Because um, you might be sitting there being like, man, I deal with transitions super well. No idea what this guy's talking about. Maybe so. Um, but here's, here's things that I see. One thing that, that pretty much always happens, when someone is dealing poorly with a the transition, they get really mad, and they, and they want to blame somebody. Here's, here's something I hear a lot is like, I just don't feel like my community is supporting me very well right now. They used to support me so well, and now they're really, they're really disappointing me and letting me down. Got to blame somebody because you're mad. You blame your friends, you know, like they don't ever call them anymore. We used to hang out all the time. It's like, yeah, you used, there used to be eight of you living in a house. Of course you were hanging out all the time. And of course, you're not hanging out all the time now because that would be weird. But you get frustrated and you start pointing the finger and you're like, they're not caring for me. They don't ever check on me. They, 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 they. And sometimes sometimes like you look for someone to blame and you just turn it back to yourself. And you're like, well, I guess, I guess if, if, I was really, if I was truly cool, you know, then this would be different. Or I guess if I was a better employee then uh, you know, I, wouldn't, I would be getting like, promoted in this. Or I guess if, if I was better at this, or if I had done this, or if I hadn't done this, uh, this would have happened or whatever. And so, but you're always, you look for somebody to blame because you're just so mad that your life is transitioning and you just don't like it. Because it's changed and it's different and it's weird. And so that's the first thing I see a lot. Is people get mad and they look for someone to blame. Uh, and sometimes that blame gets put on God. And he, and he can take it, you know, like he's not, he doesn't get his feelings hurt when you're like mad at him about something. But sometimes we're transitioning through something that we have nothing to do with. It's God's sovereignty over your life and you just don't like it very much. And so we get mad at him. And that's, you know, we get to be like Psalm 23, whatever. He's not doing a very good job looking after me right now because all my friends, this is happening with everybody around me, but not with me. This is happening at my job. Everybody else is getting treated this way, but, you know, whatever. And God won't give me another job. He won't give me a spouse. He won't give me a spouse who cares about me the way I think they should. He won't make my kids listen to me, you know. Uh, there's just so much things like this, 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 this. And, and, and so we're in either blaming God or blaming ourselves or blaming our community. But that blame game is a sign that you're going through something, you're transitioning through something, and you're not handling it very well. That's one thing. Um, second thing that I see a lot is people get very withdrawn. Like from that blame uh, comes this like inward like deal. So like you kind of withdraw socially, you know. Um, 
you stop trying to pursue things to do, you know, on the weekend sometimes. Like, you kind of, like, you kind of expect everybody to come to you a little bit. Um, you, you withdraw emotionally. You go to community group, but you're not going to talk, you know, because they really want to know they would pry, you know. Um, you, uh, you turn inwardly, even, like, from your spouse sometimes, you know. You kind of stop becoming uh, emotionally available, you know. There's this, this, you know, weirdness that goes on there. And there's, so there, there's this, this inward turn where you just become very self-reliant. And the third thing is, is you look for an idol somewhere. You look for something to pour all of your energy and all your focus into that's going to give you the fulfillment that you wish that you had. That's what idols do. Um, so people's idols, you know, like, like work can become one of those. You just sink everything into, into your job. Uh, sink everything into school sometimes. Uh, you sink everything into uh, a hobby of some sort, you sink everything into uh, your kids, you sink everything into your spouse. And I'm not saying any of those things are evil. None of those things are evil. But when they start to play a role they're not supposed to play, and we start to look at any of those things uh, as our source of joy and fulfillment, it's, it's because we can control that stuff. So here's your life transitioning somehow. It's transitioning socially or vocationally, financially, spiritually. Something like that is transitioning and you don't like it. So you blame somebody, you withdraw, and then you find an idol. You find something that you can control. And you obsess over it almost. And you're almost like, just forget, forget everybody else. Forget all this stuff. Forget the Lord. Forget my community. Forget truth. Forget all that kind of stuff. I'm going to find all my fulfillment in this. And like C.S. Lewis said, what does an idol do every time? It breaks your heart. And it settles in and you are just, you are just this puddle emotionally because you're like, I don't even know what to do. And it's like, yeah, because your life is transitioning and you're digging your heels in. You're ref- you are resisting, you are refusing to see it for what it is. And I say all that... Um, to bring uh, us, us all to kind of this, this point. You are either going into a transition, you're in a transition, or you're coming out of a transition. It's just how life works. And there's a different pace at all those, all those things. So, um, so maybe, you know, maybe you've... Some of those are quicker than others, that kind of stuff. But your life is constantly morphing. So we need to understand what, what it means to have the Spirit lead you faithfully through uh, a time of change and transition in your life. And not only you, but you're surrounded by all these other people who are also doing the same thing. And so there are times when you're coming out of a transition and somebody else is going into one, and you're supposed to be there to connect with them and minister to them and encourage them and support them through that. It's life, we're a bunch of branches all connected to this one trunk, you know. And so a big part of communal life is transition and us being able to just to help guide each other through it and support each other and know how to do this. So, what does this have to do with Joshua? Okay, well, Joshua chapter 1. Um, here you have, you have Joshua himself in a major time of transition. And then he's a part of this collective community that's also in a major time of transition. And so what we see here is we see God himself intervene and speak some truth into this that I believe I believe we need to wash over us. And that's 
as far as what will happen in this moment, you want to know what the, what the Spirit of God does? The Spirit of God infuses the Bible, infuses the text, and allows us to understand and uses it to convict us and to warn us of some things and to encourage us in some things and to train us in righteousness in some things. That's what He will do during this time as we enter into the Word. And, and you may not think that you have a problem with transition, but I'm telling you, you, you do. I do. We do. There are times when there are times when I believe like like we do we do well. I believe that we we handle transition in in a path of righteousness, you know, in a really consistent way, in a way that honors God. But then there are other times when we do not. And a part of what God wants to do is create a natural rhythm where as life unfolds, we don't go spiraling emotionally. And we don't end up withdrawing and we don't look for idols and all that kind of stuff. We stay centered and on track. And that's a part of what he's forming in us. So let's, let's ask him, him being the Spirit of God, to teach us in the, in the text. So I want to pray. I'm going to ask him to do that. All right? Let's, so join me as I pray. Spirit of God, uh, we, um, we come to you confessing that, um, that we are not... 100% awesome at getting through times of transition in our lives. Often we think that we're really great at it, but we just collectively as a community, we humble ourselves and ask for your help and ask that you would help us learn from, what, from the way that you led Joshua and the way that you led the children of Israel. Will you use that to teach us and help us that we may be faithful in times of change as you lead us. Uh, we love you so much. We thank you. Um, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's read this together. Starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them. To the people of Israel. Alright, so let's, let's stop right there. Verse 1, we see that Moses has died. Moses, who, who led them out of captivity uh, through, the, through the, um, the Red Sea crossing, uh, through the giving of the law and the Ten Commandments, through the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness... Uh, where all of those who were disobedient passed away, and a new generation emerged. Um, he's led them to this point. Um, he has passed away. Joshua has been his right-hand man. Joshua is now taking over. So you have this personal transition for Joshua. You have this corporate transition for the people of Israel. And that all they've known in as far as godly leadership has been Moses. And now Joshua's got to take over. Obviously, he's probably a little nervous. Probably unsure of what's going on. And so God very tenderly cares for him, and he gives them this very abrupt statement. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I I think at first, that seems kind of insensitive. We don't know how he said it. We don't know the inflection that was there. God was speaking somehow to Joshua. But I think uh, I wrote down um, just a bunch of things to learn. Here's, Here's one of them. I believe that, that Joshua needed to grieve the death of Moses. 
And when I say grieve, I don't just mean cry. I mean, he needed to process his grief. And when you think of, we tend to think of grief just associated with death. If we think of grief in a, in a more broad sense, grief is coming, uh, coming into acceptance about a massive, irreversible change in your life. That's what it is. So you grieve death, absolutely, because what's more irreversible than that? And so you work through this process, you know, where you're, you, there's denial and there's, there's anger and there's blaming and there's bargaining. And then the landing point of the grief process is acceptance. And so I think he's saying you need to grieve Moses in a, tr- in a, in a complete sense, which means you need to, to quickly get to the point where you're accepting the fact that he is gone and that this is a, this is a new point. You need to live in that reality. But see, we grieve all kinds of things. You know, we grieve, uh, you grieve the, the, the loss of a job. It's the same thing. Same process. You get, you get mad, you deny it, there's bargaining, there's blaming, there's, and then you land in this acceptance. You're like, okay, that job is over with. Now I gotta, I gotta, I gotta move forward. We grieve, um, you grieve the end of, of a relationship. You know, you grieve a, a divorce or a breakup or a friendship that's come apart. You grieve that. And you come to terms with this new reality. Like, okay, well, things are not like they, like they were. You also grieve stuff like graduating. You have to grieve that. Graduating is awesome. And it's, you know, like, you get these graduates up here and you're so excited for them and all this kind of stuff. But they are crying. Why are they crying? Because they're grieving the coming to an end of something. And some of them, you heard, you heard it, some of them are moving. Some of them are starting new jobs and starting different things. And so there's, there's this new reality they have to accept. And so we walk with them through their grief. And maybe they're not bargaining and maybe they're not angry and maybe that's not happening. But you have to quickly get them to the point where, guess what, your life is not going to look like it did. We grieve all kinds of things. Anytime there's a massive, irreversible change, you, you grieve that. So we have to come to a point where we come to terms with the fact that things are not like they were. And always, I think about, um, you know, before Ed O'Neill became, uh, you know, famous for being on Modern Family, he was on uh, the show called Married with Children. He was Ed Bundy. Is it Ed Bundy? Al Bundy. How did I mess that up? Al Bundy. One of the things about Al Bundy's life and his character was that he scored four touchdowns in one game as a, uh, when he was a high school football player. And he would come out in his jersey sometimes, and he would bring it up all the time, and he was constantly living in the past in that regard. And he had not grieved the fact that high school ended, man. You're done with that. You're not a football player anymore. I know that's a character on a TV show. But, but don't we all kind of carry around these things where we wish the good old days could come back to life for us? We're trying to relive that all the time. When you, life brings about this massive change, you have to grieve what was before and get ready to move forward. And it's interesting because you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that would be the case when, when a family's about to have a baby. But talk to anybody that's had a baby, and you're like, man, like, you have to grieve when it was just the two of you. Not, not in a sad way, 
Not in a way that makes you regret having kids. You have to work through this process. It's like things will ne- are never going to be the same. Let's get to where we accept that and embrace the fact that God is moving us forward. And so that's kind of the, the first point is we can't underestimate the role that grief plays. We have to get to, to that acceptance before we can move forward in a transition. Um, so look at, look at verse uh, 2 again. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all, the, all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, on the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. All right, here's, here's the second thing. There's a bigger plan unfolding. Joshua needed to understand, okay, Moses couldn't live forever. Moses passed away. That is done. There's a finality there, and you will miss him, and you will cry over that loss, and he will be dear to you forever. There's a bigger story being written that you must, at the same time, tap into. So as you're coming to an acceptance of, of this reality, you have to realize there's a bigger story being written. So for Joshua, it was you're about to lead these, you're about to carry the story of God forward. For people who are, for those folks who are graduating, you may be sad to leave here or sad to see your your time in that community group come to an end or whatever, but God's writing a bigger story and now it's time for the next leg of that journey. So you have to see the bigger story being written. When families are going through transition of any sort, you have to understand there's something bigger going on, that God is sovereignly guiding your family forward that will bring about all kinds of of changes as you transition, but you can't lose sight of this bigger picture. Same thing with with our church, the same thing with with finances, the same thing with your your walk with God, that there's always this bigger story arc above us. But we, we tend to get really, really focused on just right now and how we feel about right now. And so when someone is struggling with transition, it may be an issue they haven't grieved the, the coming to an end of that previous season of life, but also may, may be the fact that they've lost sight of this bigger story that's being written. That man, the God of the universe is looking at you and he's like, guess what I'm going to do with you now? I've been leading you in triumphal procession in this way for this amount of time. Now I'm going to transition you. I'm going to lead you differently, maybe in a different place, maybe just in a different way. Maybe I'm going to change your job. Uh, maybe I'm going to change something with your family. Maybe, maybe there's going to be this incredible loss you go through. I'm going, to, I'm going to step you through that. But this, we can't lose sight of that overarching story that God is writing and the fact that we get to play a part in it. For Joshua, he needed to keep in full view that he was about to lead the people of Israel into their final like, resting place as a group of people into the land that God had promised. If he was unwilling to, deal, unwilling to deal with the transition that God had for him and unwilling to deal with the loss of Moses, he could have just sat there on the ground and cried. And God was like, no, we're, that's, not how, that's not what's going to happen. Moses is dead. Now get up. It's time to lead these people forward because I'm doing something big. And what God was doing big there and what God is doing big in your life I think God is equally excited about both of those things. So that's the second thing. There's something bigger going on. Look at verse 5. Now there were people living in the land they were about to conquer. And that's a whole other side of the story. So when, imagine like God's like right over this ridge. Everything you see is going to be yours. And you get over that ridge and there's just people living there already. 
That's what was happening in verse 5. That's what God tells him. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Here's, the, here's my, my third point. Your circumstances are going to look really, really weird. There are times when the thing you're transitioning into, like you see it coming and it's very, very intimidating. You're scared. You're uncertain. You're, you know, there's just so much that's there that can, that can make you very timid. And so here, God is saying, nobody, nobody, no man will, that will come against you uh, is going to be able to stand. Like I've, I've got you covered in this. I think he's basically telling him, don't get, don't get so focused on the circumstances that you lose sight of that bigger story and the role that I'm going to play. I think for us, we head into certain things, we can make a list of all, all that stuff. Um, on the beach trip, we had the seniors there and, and asked them what they were doing, and then I made them tell us what they're scared of. I think that's a healthy thing for us to do, is, is for people to ask us sometimes, like, hey, what's, uh, and that's maybe an awkward like, coffee conversation, but like, hey, what are you super scared about right now? Because we need to be taking our vulnerabilities and laying them on the table for everybody. I mean, like this, this is what's going on. That's why in community groups this last week, that's what we did. So what's coming up over the summer or in the near future that you're scared to death about so we can start attacking it? So we can't let our circumstances uh, carry more weight than they're supposed to. And so maybe if you're struggling with transition, it's because you're, you're, you're looking so much at the circumstances when God wants you to see uh, more that's going on. Look at the next part of the verse. Um, Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What a, what a beautiful verse. Saying, Did you see how faithfully I led Moses? You think that's going to change now? It's not going to change. I think for us, we need to be able to look back um, in, in, in the, the, the seasons that we're coming out of and we see the faithfulness in the hand of God. But there's this weird part in our brain where it's almost like it flips the switch as if he's going like, to check out on us now. You're like, oh, you're on your own now. That's not how it works. That faithfulness continues in fullness. So we have all these little transitions, but the faithfulness of God is this, this steady thread that runs throughout the, our, our entire lives. So maybe if you're struggling with, with the transition, maybe you're, you're worried about God continuing what He started. Look at the last part of that verse. I will not leave you or forsake you. So the full presence of God, the faithfulness of God, empowering those promises, all those kind of things are happening. So if you're struggling with transition, don't forget that the fullness of God in heaven and the fullness of God in your life is the exact same. That the the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, is, is, there's just never a moment, never a moment, where He's checked out or forgotten. Never. Next, look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. God's got a plan for your life. For you as an individual. And if you're married, He's got a plan for your family as well. And for your kids. And the sovereign God of the universe completely knows what He's doing. There's no rolling the dice. There's no crossing our fingers. There's no wishing when it comes to Him. He's got it. Verse 7. 
Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all, according to all that's written in it. For then, uh, for then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. The scriptures play a very important role. They keep us centered. So maybe if you're struggling with transition and you can't find your Bible, those two things are maybe more related than you want them to be. If you're struggling with transition and you refuse to get into the Word and you refuse to pray and you refuse to abide, then you will struggle and you will be miserable and you will be outside of God's will for your life. And so pick up the Bible. Get to praying. Share with your community. Abide in the ways that He's given us. And fruit will be produced in your life. That's it, how it works. That's how it works. His Spirit empowers all those things. The last one, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the third time he said to be, be strong and courageous. There's a strength and a courage that comes when we have relied on God in fullness. Um, Jesus says at one point uh, in Luke, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He says, Don't be afraid, and he calls them little flock. It's a, it's a very tender language. He says, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. As He's transitioning your life, as He's sovereignly guiding you forward, He's giving you the kingdom, step by step by step. And if He's leading you forward in transition, then that means He's got something new for you, something powerful for you, something good for you. So, why, why resist that? Well, it's because we have that struggle with thinking that we know better. And so it comes down to, are you going to trust Him? And if you say, yes, I'm going to trust Him, then obedience is the way that you demonstrate that trust. Obe- obeying Him, like walking in obedience, is how we answer the question, do you trust me? And so as you move through life and things are changing constantly, just trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Be strong and courageous. I'm with you wherever you go. That's the faithful God that we serve. And I know transitions are weird and I hate them as much as anybody else. But, but when, when your perspective shifts and you start to realize, like, man, God's doing something bigger than this and he's brought this to an end and he's opening up these new doors and I, I've just I've got to trust him in this season he's been faithful why would he why would he change now he's so good and so caring and it's his pleasure to give me the kingdom I'm going to just follow him forward 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 I know this doesn't fix everything but maybe, maybe we can learn from Joshua's transition and Israel's transition. When you follow the story forward, 
he, he listened to what God said. He applied it to his life. And he led, he led his community faithfully. And they settled in that land. And they had some problems and they had some rough spots. But there was a strength and a courage that came because they trusted God more than they trusted themselves, more than they trusted their circumstances. And I believe the Spirit wants to lead us faithfully in that way as well. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing in response a little bit. I believe that that's, that's corporately what God's called us to do. And then we're going we're to pray for our summer missionaries. We're going to pray for a group of people who are walking through what we just talked about in a very specific way. Um, and that's how we're going to close our time. But uh, I just want to pray that we would respond personally uh, and that would meld corporately. So uh, let's... Um, Let's, let's stand together as the band comes back up. Father, I thank you that we were able to, um, to open up the word and to learn, from, to learn from the saints that have gone before us. And we're grateful, God, that you made sure that we would have the scriptures in our hands. And for the way your spirit empowers those words and helps them make sense to us. And, um, and God, I believe we can all relate to Joshua in, the, in that, just in that uh, position in life where he was. Probably kind of scared, probably kind of intimidated. But wanting, wanting to be faithful. Wanting to honor you, wanting everything to to point to you, wanting the the kingdom to come near, wanting your glory above everything else. And so, God, we just um, we we need your help in that tension. Our desire is for you uh, to lead us forward. And we want to follow right after you. So God, help, would, would your spirit, God, just help us to process these things. And even just as we stand here tonight, would you minister to us and care for us? Would you encourage us in whatever phases of life and stages and seasons that we're going through? If we're digging our heels in, will you break us? If we're focused on circumstances, will you adjust the things that we're building our lives on? If if we've been angry, if we've turned inward, if we've found an idol, if we're refusing to grieve, any of these things we've covered, God, would you, um, we just humble ourselves and open our, our lives up because we desire to transition well, not just to be free from strife, but to walk in the fullness of what you've called us to and, and the full goodness that is ours as your children. So help us to fear not. And to realize that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom.